Welcome to the Life as an Observer podcast. My name is Ryan Bean. I am your host in self-observation. This podcast is an exploration of physical and non-physical self through discussion around yoga, meditation, self-improvement, self-realization, and practices that elevate the mind-body-soul connection. Let's start observing. This episode of Life as an Observer is made possible by patron support. If you'd like to support this program, you can visit patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer to learn more. Welcome to today's Life as an Observer. I was scrolling through things, trying to find an answer this week. Uh, Something came to my mind, and maybe it was because of all the books that are around me, and it kind of led me down a trail, or maybe it was inspired action. I'm, I'm not really sure. But I started to think about after reading an article by Mark Manson, um, what's the problem with men? And I really started to ask myself that question, what's the problem with men? I think I've written posts about this in the past and even talked about it in, in, in detail. And I started to read his article, which highly recommend looking into that, but started to talk about some of the attributes of masculinity and maybe where masculinity was needed Um, in its current form, and maybe where it has evolved or is trying to evolve. So I want to throw out a few facts, um, things that can easily be searched, and then kind of talk about this. But there's a lot of violence in this world. Um, There's a lot of violence that happens. And as we begin to explore that more, dig deeper into it, we find that 70% 6% of all violent crime is done by men. Men are 10 times more likely to commit a murder and 9 times more likely to go to jail. 99% of all rape and sexual assault is committed by men and 95% of all violent crimes by juveniles are done by boys. You know, these are all staggering numbers. If we're all equal in the eyes and we're all equal in numbers, then why is this rate so high? So we have to start thinking about maybe some of the attributes that kind of contribute to this. Now, for myself, I grew up in a small town, went to school just like everybody else. And I did start to find that I was kind of going down a trail of maybe trying to be more violent as a kid. You know, maybe we show up in a way where we want to prove ourselves. And we we have some of these masks that we start to wear, and I'll talk about those in a little bit. But these attributes that we put on, and we do them, and sometimes to appease the masses, or we do it to appease our parents, or we, we put on this mask that is not really who we are. Now, if you like close your eyes and you start to think about some of the most violent people in history, you may start to think about men, men who have caused the most murder, caused the most pain, caused the most 
uh, crimes. Maybe you start, you start thinking about people in Al-Qaeda or you think about uh, mass murderers or you think about um, those who have committed major crimes as drug lords. In, in Mark Manson's article, he talks about the brother of Pablo Escobar and how with his brother's passing, he almost lost his identity, not as his name, but something was missing there, as if he had lost that sense of prowess, that sense of strength, and in a way, that sense of violence that surrounded him and created the narrative. Roberto Escobar was known from his family name. And when the family, or to point fingers at his brother, was no longer in the picture, that narrative no longer fit. However, he still tried to make it fit. What I mean by that is he started to conjure up stories about his past to give himself more prowess, to give himself more of a, a name or become more interesting. Now, all these stories are conjured up because we're trying to fulfill a narrative or fulfill a masculine role. Historically, masculinity has been the three Ps, the protector, the provider, and the procreator. And with the, these three things, really, historically, what they do is they cause us to, f to uh, compare each other, compare with how strong I am, how good of a protector I am, or how much money I have, how much of a good provider I am, or how good of a procreator, how many kids do I have, or what is my sexual prowess, how many uh, sexual conquerings have I had. And this forces comparison among men, which in turn also creates these masks. Lewis Howes talks about these masks in his book, The Mask of Masculinity, and he identifies nine of them. And I'll tell you what they are. We can go deeper into some of them. But he identifies the stoic mask, the athlete mask, the material, the sexual mask, the aggressive mask, the joker, the invincible person, the know-it-all, and the alpha, the alpha male. And all of these have their positive attributes and their negative attributes. They all, we all can wear more than one of these masks, and we can take some of them off here and there. But the problem lies when we no longer have a narrative outside of the mask. So where, for instance, the athlete mask, where we are always needing to compete, always needing to win. And without that competing and without that win, we feel a sense of loss or not whole. Maybe that mask is that of material abundance. And when we don't have that, we feel as though we're lacking, as though we're not whole, as though we're not a man, the aggressive person or the joker, the person who hides behind the laughter. All these are good things, but in moderation, not as your complete personality. And a lot of times these are placed upon men by their father, by their grandfather, um, maybe even traumas they've been through. 
maybe becoming the alpha male as an adult is to make up for being picked on as a kid. Or maybe that's for the aggressor. Or maybe the sexual attribute mask, the conquest. Or because maybe they were unattractive as a child. Or maybe that's a mask that was placed upon them by their friends saying, you're not cool unless you have this many dates this week, this many times to bed, this many girlfriends, this many conquests. And so all these are placed upon us as though that is our worth. I'm a victim of that. I remember coming out of military life, moving into Florida, and as though I missed a piece of my 20s, began to put on the sexual conquest mask as one of that I needed to do. It was almost it was like a rite of passage. I had to do that. Otherwise, I wouldn't become a man, which is completely false. But this is how we feel. Um, we're pushed by our friends and we're pushed into different ways. And it's really interesting that our friends push us into these things, but most men can't even identify that they have a best friend. They can't identify who that best friend is, or especially not a male best friend, someone who they can confide in. The statistics show that men commit suicide at a rate five times that of women. And boys under 18 are nine times the rate of suicide of women. ADHD is diagnosed four to one over girls. And men are two times as likely to become alcoholics. Two-thirds of all homelessness is by men. Now, this is not a pity party by any means about men and we should help men, but I think there is a narrative that has been thrown out into the world that no longer suits our time. We talked about the three Ps, the protector, the provider, the procreator. But where is the masculine side of being a nurturer? Where is the balance? Where is the masculine side of the emotions? Where is the masculine side of the unity and the peace. See, there was a time when we had to protect our families, we had to protect our homes, we had to not have invading troops come in or neighboring villages or even animals. There was a time where you needed to be strong, where you needed to protect that which was yours. There was a time where you needed to be a provider, going and hunting and gathering things to feed your family, and of course, procreation, because many of the children that were born did not live to see their teenage years, so you created as many as possible so that you could continue to have your namesake and also a provider, uh, a food for the family, or someone to be able to nurture the farm. These roles have changed, and they're no longer really a good identifiers for the life that we live now and the, the world that we live in. Men are still put on into these narratives that they must feel as though they have to fulfill. Otherwise, they are seen as weak. Otherwise, they're seen as being not a man. And the cost of that is, you know, I think we've heard this, don't cry, be a man, grow up. Aren't you a, uh, aren't you a big boy now? Stop crying. I'll give you a reason to cry, right? Boys have heard these things. And 
shamed for their weaknesses, shamed if they fall, shamed if the cut is not big enough, shamed if they show emotions. And these same shaming that happens doesn't end at childhood. It actually continues to grow through adulthood to where it affects our relationships. So ladies, maybe if, if you're listening and you're, you're hearing these things, maybe you haven't had these conversations with your men friends or your partners, but many of them would probably tell you that yes, they have been shamed for showing signs of weakness and emotion. And so that reason is why they don't show it now. And that's why they don't show up vulnerable. That's why they don't show up in that way. And then it turns into conflict. It turns into conflict saying, I wish you would just show some emotion. I wish you would show up as something other than just happy or angry. Because see, those other emotions have been conjured up to be invalid to young boys and teenage boys and then to adulthood. And especially if that boy on his route to manhood has taken a more traditional route of maybe going to college or even that of going into the military, it exemplifies and also reinforces this shaming that we have to fulfill certain roles to grow up. Certainly in college, it is the sexual conquest and the joker. And we begin to learn things and we become the know-it-all on that subject. And within our groups, you have an alpha male or maybe several alpha males. Same is true in the military where there is that athlete, there is that conquest, there is that mentality that we all need to perform. Otherwise, someone gets hurt. So these suppressed emotions are not just emotions that are pushed aside and, hey, you start to bring them back up. They're actually causing trauma. When we suppress the trauma, or excuse me, the suppress the emotions, we cause trauma. This shaming causes mental health issues. Some of these issues take years, decades, and lots of work to overcome. I know on my route, leaving the military, wearing many of these masks of masculinity, trying to figure out where I landed. And as I started to move into more conscious communities, I realized that I was not as conscious as maybe some of the ladies that I was interacting with, maybe even some of the men that I was interacting with, because I was still wearing these masks, learning to look past the shame that I was identifying, self-identifying, that narrative that I was giving myself that it was weakness and that vulnerability was not something that you show. Otherwise, you'll never get the girl, you'll never get the job, you'll never get the raise. Vulnerability is weakness, which is exactly the opposite, isn't it? Brene Brown talks a lot about it, how courage and vulnerability are the same thing. So shaming causes these mental health issues and these emotions that get suppressed cause trauma, which cause us to need to put in work to move past that. Well, where does all that start, right? We, we have the statistics that I, that I gave to you uh, about crime and murder and the rates of suicide. And in turn, 
pharmaceutical companies are profiting from this trauma, from these mental health issues, the whole financial system revolving around our prisons and our jails and police force, all are really dependent upon this narrative continuing. Not all, but a lot of it. That there is 76% of violent crime is committed by men. What if men didn't commit violent crime as much anymore? That would go down and some of those privatized prisons would lose their numbers and they are paid by their occupancy. We got to keep them up, right? We have to keep the, the populations high. And when we start to offer medications, well, that just doesn't really necessarily uh, fit the cause. It just kind of goes after the symptom. So the cause is really much deeper. The symptom is on a, on a very surface level, whereas the cause of why this is happening goes way back generations and generations of expectations of young boys to be strong, to turn into providers, to turn into procreators and be protectors. Wearing these masks keeps them safe, at least in that moment of vulnerability. So what would happen if we actually said, I am not no longer an athlete and take off that mask and say, hey, I, I can't perform at that level anymore. I'm actually really into monogamy. I can't perform those sexual conquests like I used to. I really prefer to be with one person. Or the, the know-it-all who says, I'm still very much a student. I remember when graduating from one of my teacher trainings, my uh, yoga teacher training, uh, my guru handed me my certificate and said, yay, go serve the world. Here you are, you're a teacher, go and teach. And I followed his uh, momentum and I followed his emotion. And I said, yay, yeah, I'm a teacher. And then he snatched the certificate away from me and he said, don't ever forget that you'll always be a student. And... It's always stuck with me because not just a student of yoga, but being an observer, it's like the podcast name here, is really that of being a student of life. It is us sitting back watching and learning. Maybe even seeing our own narratives before they pop their head in violence or before those masks that we wear Make us go take a route being someone who we're really not. Now, this is a lot of works, and maybe for another podcast to talk about all the work that needs to be done to remove those masks. Masculinity doesn't need to be something that is called toxic, and it also doesn't need to be the opposite of femininity. There can be balance between the two, there can be women who show up in their masculinity and there can be men who show up in their feminine side, their feminine dominance. It doesn't make them less of a man. It doesn't make them more of a woman or vice versa. These are simply characteristics that are given historically and then given roles. Many of these 
violent people in history that we talked about, uh, John Wayne Gacy and Ted Bundy and Jeffrey Dahmer, Bin Laden, all these people, if we really dig deeper into their history, we may find that they were wearing masks. They were wearing masks not just to hide from, from certain capture, but they were wearing masks that were given to them by their family, they were wearing masks that were given to them by their population, their community. And they continued to wear them even when it didn't suit them anymore. Even when there was certain capture, even though maybe wars were over. But the problem is, is they felt as though they ceased to exist without those masks. As though their life was then over. They identified more with the mask than with the heart. Sadly, many men, not those who we just talked about who are violent, but many men just in general, wear these masks to their demise. They wear them until they can't take it anymore and either have serious mental health issues or decide to take their own lives because of the shame, because of the emotions that can't be processed. So what is the solution? Well, I don't know that the masks are going to go away anytime soon, and I don't know that there is a solution by replacing the mask with one to another. But what there is is there is some self-work and self love that can come from this self-work. Maybe it is meditation. Maybe it is yoga. Maybe it is breath work. There's a lot of other activities that can be done to help us process and to go deeper. But I think part of it is also accepting the men in your life how they are. Not wanting them to be like your father or your grandfather or expecting them to be the same as someone else in your friend group. Acceptance is really helpful. As I have moved into new friend groups now and I am able to show my true self, I find that that authenticity promotes trust. That authenticity is one that really helps us begin to get to know each other a little bit better, not just on the surface level of where the mask lives, but really what helps us tick. Now, even up until a couple of years ago, I still wore many masks as though I didn't exist without them. One that was been put onto me for many years by family and by friends is that of the material mask, needing to create finances, being able to provide and have things, and being able to be that of wealth. Um, that's one that I have long since taken off now, living very minimally and living very small. But that was a really hard one to take off because you feel as though you're letting others down. Well, we're not really letting anyone down now, are we? We're just simply moving into a new chapter 
Now, for me, that, that new chapter was just living small, living minimally, changing my priorities. So, here we are, deciding that men wear masks, violent crime is committed, And it's not really the true identification or personation of who that man is. And what do they do for help? Well, this may be for another episode. But I can tell you that when Mark Manson left uh, Roberto Escobar, he realized that he really kind of just felt sad for him. He said that, Without all of these things and without the former billionaire drug lord around him, he almost felt like he was sort of pitiful, trying to make up stories and trying to fulfill a narrative that wasn't even true. And when we're all in our grave at the very end, none of that really matters now, does it? What we need to do now is embrace all forms of men. Some more masculine, some more feminine. Some are funny guys, some are athletes. Some may know a lot of things, some may be good leaders. But embracing all of it and accepting all of it, not expecting someone to show up in a way that they are not inclined to do on their own. Telling your boys or the men in your life that you love them. And when, they, if, when you ask them if they're okay and they say, yeah, maybe ask better questions. Instead of getting answers that say good or yeah, say, what was the best thing about today? What was the worst thing about today for you? How did you feel when? Asking questions that allow the men in your life to express themselves safely and without judgment. I think that's key. Safely and without judgment. So asking them, how did you feel when this happened? Or how would you feel if that happened? Letting the men in your life and the boys in your life know that all emotions are valid and that you're supporting them as who they are and who they are going to be. Not basing your decision on you know, how you saw your father show up or how other men in life have showed up, but how that particular person shows up. There's a book that I read a little while back, and it talks about how boys have been suppressed from crying. And Jason Wilson wrote the book. And what a, what a great insight about just letting boys cry. The book, name of the book is Cry Like a Man. And allowing that emotion to be that of a valid one. That sometimes we hurt, but we're afraid to show that we hurt. We're afraid to show that we hurt because... 
that is not masculine in historic eyes. Or we won't get the girl if we cry. Or we'll be kicked off the team if we cry. Or we won't be the leader if we show emotion. Support the men in your life and support the little boys in your life who are growing up trying to find answers about what it means to be a man. Don't let them think that the, the news, the politicians, and others that are on TV are the identification of what a real man is. A real man is someone who can show up in his masculinity, in his femininity, wear some masks but take them off but not be identified completely by them. A real man is not afraid to cry, not afraid to show emotion, and when shamed for his weaknesses and emotions becomes vulnerable saying, this is my true identity. Stepping into courage rather than stepping into a mask. Thank you for joining Life as an Observer today. Go out there and support the boys and the men in your life. See you next week. If 2020 taught us anything, it was that we need to be more versatile, adept to change, and open to possibilities. In doing so, I've decided to change the way that I teach and the way that I show up. Taking my story, taking my inspirational tales, taking content that I've learned from all over the world and bringing it to you virtually through podcast, through guided meditation, and through online platforms. Now, this exploration and insight have changed the way that I do business and kind of changed the way that I look at the world and the way that I can show up for not just 10 people in a class, but maybe hundreds or thousands of people in a breathwork, yoga, or meditation class. I've decided that the best way to reach more people is through this podcast. And through this spiritual journey, I've created a patron page. This patron page allows you to be a part of the journey. It allows you to sort of be a backer or a pledger for the mission that I'm trying to accomplish. Now, I have several goals for this next year. One of them is to attend as many courses with breathwork, yoga, and meditation as I possibly can and turn returning that knowledge to you on the podcast and on through my online forums. I also would like to take my self, my dog, my everything that I own on the road and be able to show up in more locations for retreats, for workshops, and to be in, in neighborhoods, towns, and showing up at retreat centers near you. In doing so, I'm moving into a van. So doing all this requires a little bit of backing, requires me to, again, embrace the idea of the uncertainty, knowing that the universe will show up. If you would like to back this project and these many projects that I'm working on, you can by going to patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer. You can start for as little as $2 each patron pledge has a reward, a monthly 
reward that includes things like swag, shirts, hats, stickers, mentions on the podcast, mentions on my pages, and uh, exclusive content, including breathwork, including meditations, and one-on-one coaching. If you'd like to be a part of this journey and you'd like to back this project, if you're enjoying what you hear on Life as an Observer, you can do that by uh, scrolling to patron.podbean.com backslash life as an observer.